Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition to the Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well on this Wednesday, and we're midweek here. It's one of the slower weeks of the sports calendars. You know, we have a lot of news in the, in the world of sports, whether it's baseball, hockey, the Open Championship starting tomorrow. So tonight, I thought, let's let's bounce around. We're going to talk about a lot of baseball, but I got my guy, Casey Ward, here with us again. And there's so many stories. I, we'll have to get into all of them. But first off, Casey, uh, how are things up in uh, your neck of the woods? Hey, Noah, thanks for having me back on. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on here. It's uh, like a break from reality. It's, you know, just great, great escape. Um, everything's going well up here. It's... Uh, business as usual working from home so getting that done and uh taking in the podcasts you and Seamus are putting out there listening to the Breaking Bad one there last night you guys had her firing on all cylinders so you guys are kicking kicking that in the ass so looking forward to seeing some more no thanks buddy uh yeah last night yeah it was a fun one last night two really good episodes so me and Shay uh really dived into it for almost an hour and 15 minutes you kind of forget how long you're on uh but so you told me before the show, we're gonna we're just gonna jump around today. You know, I, I normally like to say I have like a set schedule, but uh, not today. This will be an all over the place podcast. You got your Yankee hat on, Uh-oh. and you told me don't be hard on the Yankees, and I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna be fair, like I normally am. Sometimes I'm I'm a bit mean, you know. Sometimes I'm mean to the Leafs or you know, Montreal or some people say, I really, I, I love Andre Vasilevsky too much. And I said, that's impossible. The guy's just a winner. Uh, yeah. But we'll, let's start talking baseball. And you look at the American league East and it's, it's a surprising halfway point because the Boston Red Sox are 21 games above 500, which is crazy. Cause I look at their pitching staff case and I say, who do they have? They've evolved. They use that two Tommy Johns. They got Martin Perez, who I thought was out of the league. Eduardo Rodriguez, who's coming off a major heart surgery. And yet they're 21 games above 500. It's really an incredible first half story. Yeah. Like if you would have asked me before the season started, where do you see like the AL East being at this point? I wouldn't have the Red Sox at the top of the list. I, I would have had the Yankees by a mile. But uh, like you said, their pitching staff just seems to be kind of like who do, who they have. Like there's no there's no big name in the in the lineup, but uh, I think that, that P- Pavida, mm-hmm. um, him and Evaldi seem to have kind of been getting their game going as of late. They've been um, not the worst and not the best, but I feel like the big thing for Bo- for Boston right now is their offense is just seem to be kind of just winning them games like um, Bogarts and. Uh, Devers like they're just unreal and uh yeah I think that's just like that's how they're getting it done is just on the sticks and good good defense just not pitchers that are doing their jobs yeah Devers is a is a great player um one of the more clutch hitters in the game because he's second in the in the league in RBI uh and you know how to set to have 72 RBI one behind Vladdy he's not getting talked about for an MVP obviously he's not batting 330 but you mentioned him, and he's got 72. J.D. Martinez has 62. That's two guys in the top 10 of the league in RBI. So when they get opportunities, they are driving guys in. And, I mean, that's the most important thing. If you have subpar pitching, you need your big boys to do that, and they do that at a very high level. Yeah, and it's surprising. Like, we say that they have subpar pitching, but I was looking looking on the uh, MLB site, and they're up there, and they're still up there in uh... – pitching they're still I think in the top five so um I guess we're not giving the the Red Sox as much credit as they're as they're due on the hill but um looking forward to see how how this last half of the season is going to be uh especially in the AL East because I got a little bit more interest in that uh, division so to speak but I'm looking to see how uh how it's all going to play out so juxtaposing that you have the Rays who are game and a half back of the Red Sox which I think we saw the Rays being good, but, um, you know, they lose, obviously they lose uh, Blake Snell. You could say Kevin Cash lost him in game six of the World Series. They trade away Willie Adamas. They uh, they lose their other uh, pitcher to potential Tommy John down the stretch here. Um, but your Yankees, 
nine games out of first place. Uh, it's it's been a struggle for them all year. They've never really caught fire. They've had little spurts. You know, this weekend I thought this could be a jumping off point, but then your favorite player, Jose Altuve, hits a, a walk-off home run. What Where's the biggest sense of frustration for you with this Yankees team? Well, <clears throat> we've been here before. We've been here time and time again, it seems. Every time I talk to you or anytime I'm around you with baseball on or whatever, Seems like our good old buddy Araldis Chapman seems to make an appearance onto the good old mound, and every time it goes downhill, every time I swear to God I leave the TV, more frustrated with uh, Chapman's outings. Constantly, he's just walking guys. Um, I got written down here. He's got uh, 22, 22 walks and only fifty strike fifty two strikeouts in his close to thirty innings of play. So. I mean, he's getting it done, obviously, but he's he's struggling. I think as of late, he's uh, he's kind of given up a couple of home runs here and there, and it's just kind of rocked his confidence a little bit. Yeah, and it seems like more and more guys are staying in at bats with him. They're going to three two counts, and they find a way to get a walk or they get a single. And yeah, I agree. I think it's time for the Yankees to seriously consider moving Chad Green who can pitch multiple innings and he's so valuable to that team, but you got to consider moving him to the closer spot because he's, he's got dominant stuff. He's a really confident guy. I think that the whole team would be confident with him in that role. And Chapman just doesn't have that same aura about him anymore. Yeah, no, like Chapman used to be the, the uh, big threat closer, right? He come in and throw 106 past you and, He'd, he'd have his three up, three down, and that's it, sealed the deal. But you see guys like Altuve hitting bombs off him because he's throwing 80 mile an hour hanging, hanging breaking balls. Flashback to Freddie, you know, just yeah. kills me. But uh, I don't know. It just seems like the offense hasn't been hasn't been there for the Yanks, but um, the arms haven't been there either. Um, no. Garrett Cole has been pretty pretty good uh, whenever he's got the sticky stuff. Um, ask Jameis about that. Every night he's got the sticky stuff. His fantasy points just go insane. But um, oh, you're talking about other sticky stuff there. <laughs> the uh, Corey Kluber, I, I think he's a big loss uh, for the for the Yanks' arm. So I think uh, they can try and acquire some pieces here at the end of the trade deadline. I think it'd be not bad to set themselves up. Yeah, nine nine games is tough. Obviously, they can they can have a really good start because they play the Red Sox tomorrow in a four game series. So you win all four. Well, they've lost the first seven, but if you win the next, you're only down five. Yeah, that's very doable. I mean, you got two and a half months of baseball left, so there's still lots of time. But it it is alarming to see the Yankees tied with the Toronto Blue Jays because you know the Blue Jays are have an interesting first half because. All I hear are the positive things. Obviously, the, the, the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is, a, you can't say a negative thing about him. He got in shape. He's hitting dingers. He's hitting for average, which seems you know, less and less uh, popular anymore. He's playing great at first. Uh, Bo Bichette needs to learn how to throw him a ball without him trying to you know break his leg to make the catch. But he's been great. Bichette's hitting defensively. He's got his warts. Um, even got Marcus Simeon, which looks like a great signing. He makes an all-star team, Kioska Hernandez. And yet their bullpen and their starting pitching is bottom five in major league baseball. And it's really, it, it doesn't get talked about enough because it's all about the kids and the positive stories. But again, they're not, they're in the same position as the Yankees and you really wouldn't know about it. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, like we've talked about it in the past. Um, you see guys like Vladimir uh, Guerrero Jr. and you see Bo Bichette where they're struggling to bring themselves onto the field because, well, we just got a we just got three outs. Now we have to go onto the field and our pitchers are going to give up a couple of runs here. You know how do you how do you get yourself up for that? It's it's tough, but uh, you know it seems like they've been uh, managing uh, thus far. But uh, like the bullpen and. And uh, the starting arms for the Blue Jays are definitely uh, 
they need they need some upgrades. Yeah, I mean, you look, Robbie Ray has been their best pitcher, and you know, he was kind of a guy they acquired the deadline last year, but Ryu's struggled since the sticky stuff has somehow vanished. Seems like a lot of great pitchers have, have struggled since that change, which is not ironic to me. Uh, you, uh, Steven Matz has been hit and miss. He's, he had COVID, then he comes back, got roughed up. You know, Ross Stripling, a.k.a. Chicken Strips, one of the best nicknames in the game. Uh, he, he's been he's been struggling. He's been hit or miss as well. And who do you, out of Rays, Yankees, and uh, Blue Jays, who do you think poses the biggest threat to the Red Sox to potentially win the division? Well, right now, given all the on the standings, I have a feeling that the Rays are just, they're not out of it. I mean, uh, every, every time that they're in the playoffs, it seems like they just kept kind of, they're so bought in. And um, when it comes down to it, they're invested and they just want, uh, they're going to make every play that they have to, to try and pr- uh, progress themselves into the playoffs. So I think right now, um, without without Glasnow, it's going to be big, but uh, mm-hmm. I think they still have, um, some faith left in them. I think that that um, second baseman, um, Brandon Lowe, yeah. I think he's been unreal this season. He's been uh, really kind of leading the charge there. And um, it, it's inter- it'll be interesting to see how the, the rest of the season is going to play out. I, I hope that the Yankees are more than competitive for the rest of the season. So, I mean, I think they're going to have to be very aggressive because – Aaron Boone, I don't think will be back next year if they don't make the playoffs. I mean, that and that could be unfair because they've made it to back-to-back ALCSs with him as the manager. So you could look at Cashman, who's been there 10 years, but I don't see this them firing Cashman because they, he's got Aaron Judge, he got Stanton. You could say he didn't do enough to acquire just some bats that hit for average. Uh, he loves to get the power, uh, power bats in the lineup, but, but Judge has been good this year. He's not... He's not hitting 211. Like he's batting almost 300. Mm-hmm. Stanton's been inconsistent. Um, they still, they love to bring Brett, uh, Brett Gardner year over year, but um, he, I, it, it's just, it's a, it's frustrating for sure. Cause I think teams, I think it's really hard Casey right now to find good pitching. I right now it's kind of, it's a pitchers in the game right now are just average. You got your elite guys. Then there's just, it drops. I think it's a significant drop off when you have your next level of, of pitchers. Yeah. That's like, I noticed that exactly the same. Like you, you know, the big guys, you know, you Darvish, Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw, DeGrom, mm-hmm. uh, Glasnow, Blake Snell, all these guys. Right. After that, when you start to see uh, the nuts and bolts of everybody's uh, bullpens and everybody's starting lineups, it, it, it's a huge drop off. I mean, it's it's crazy to see like I I have a hard time following everybody that plays but it's uh, like I'll I'll see every game there's a guy that got called in and you're like who the hell is this like mm-hmm. but they're all up there so they're they're obviously doing their thing but um, it's just a significant drop off from watching the the top dogs throw so um so this is a little hypothetical for you. As a, if the Yankees could get Jacob DeGrom or Fernando Tatis Jr., who would you take? I'm going to probably take DeGrom. <laughs> That's just me, but uh, I don't know. I don't think that the – I don't really, really think that the Yankees need any more, like, power hitters or, you know, like, Tatis has, has that flair, but uh, I think – if the Yanks want to go the distance and win a World Series, they're going to have to do um, close to what the uh, Dodgers have and uh, the Nationals had when they have three pretty much aces to get, to lead them their way. So that's that's what I think. Yeah, I would probably play play the pick Degrom as well, but it's so tough to take a pitcher over an elite um, position player just with the Tommy John concerns, right? Because you know, you lose a pitcher, he's gone for the year. You know, you might lose a guy. Mike Trout has been out for eight weeks, but he'll, he'll be back. And that would be my only concern. But, yeah, I would probably go with DeGrom as well. But, I mean, Tatis, he's so electric. Um, and let's pivot to talking about the National League West, which is another division that's 
just stunning to me. First place, yeah, okay. Let's pencil in the Dodgers, you know. Sheamus, we know our friend Sheamus. He likes the lease, so he's got to pick a team that will win something. Uh, yeah. So he picks picks the Dodgers to root for every year. And, yeah, they're in, they're in second place. Not bad. But the San Francisco Giants are in first place <clears throat> with – a lot of the same crew that won in the World Series is, but that was six, seven years ago, Case. These guys are Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, uh, Foster Posey, and yet they are 20, 21 games above 500, just like the Red Sox, and it's completely shocking to me. I did not see this coming at all. Yeah, I, I didn't see this coming either. Uh looking they have the best record going in the league in the entire league right now yeah, so yeah. like i you know it's just crazy to me um i never seen this coming but it's good to see uh brandon Crawford and um buster posey you know leading leading by the charge and uh you know i think they could very well give the dodgers a very tough time uh coming down the stretch here but uh i think that this this top three is probably arguably one of the the best top three in baseball when it comes down to uh, uh, San Francisco, LA and San Diego. I mm -hmm. think it's like, that's a big three dog race to get uh, see who's going to come out of there. Cause it's, you know, 57 wins San Francisco, 56 wins the Dodgers, 53 wins the Padres. That's, that's neck and neck. So. Yeah. And to your point, um, you know, the Dodgers and Padres take up both wildcard spots in the national league which is you know really uh funny because as dirk freaks out um but he's you got the, they're in they're in second and third that never happens you know you think the cardinals the cubs they might be competitive yet they they're they're both been terrible i mean the cubs are they're on the verge of, of blowing it all up and uh i kind of like I kind of like the Padres a little bit more than I thought I would. I think you Darvish has been incredible for them. What a trade that looks like. If they, if Blake Snell can turn it around a little bit, they can push with the Dodgers, especially now that Trevor Bauer is in some hot water. Uh, he's yeah, who knows with domestic issues, he's off the field right now. So that definitely opens up. It gives some openings to, um, to the Padres to make this thing competitive. Yeah, no, that's that's huge for the uh, Padres with uh, Bauer going out of the lineup for uh, for the Dodgers. That's a huge arm out of the out of the lineup, and um, you know Tatis is probably just licking his chops, knowing that he doesn't have to go through that lineup again facing Bauer. He's mm -hmm. going to be able to walk over any pitcher that he wants in that in that uh, rotation. So it's going to be interesting for for the Dodgers and uh, Clayton Kershaw's not a, a hundred percent right now either. Mm -hmm. He's fighting fighting some injuries. So that, those are two big arms out right now. So it'll be interesting. And I think that the Dodgers, I think that the Padres as well have a better chance of coming, um, coming out here with a better showing than the Dodgers down the stretch. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned Kershaw I mean, Walker Bueller's having a great season. He's nine and one, but you look at ERA leaders, DeGrom, no surprise. Then San Francisco, Kevin Gosman, 1.75. And that's dealing after 15 16 starts that's unreal then you got yeah. brandon woodruff from milwaukee at 206 again dealing lance lynn at a buck 99 i mean these guys aren't other than degrom these guys you know gosman was in baltimore looking like his career was over lance lynn's been thrown around the league i mean it, it's been a crazy year but I, I love to see some of these guys have better seasons and teams push you know, the Dodgers of the world, you know, your Yankees of the world to at least make it competitive and not so every year you have the same teams that are just paying a bunch of money to win. Yeah, no, I agree. It's the, uh, that's what it's going to come down to. I think a lot of these teams are starting to spend, spend a little bit of money and uh, they're starting to get their pieces and starting to make the game a little bit more challenging for, for the big dogs, like uh, the Yankees and the Dodgers. So. I'm all for it. It's uh, creating a little bit of a, <clears throat> a little bit more interesting uh, baseball, in my opinion. Um, yeah, like you were mentioning with the, the like the ERA leaders, I think uh, the Padres there with uh, Mus Joe Musgrove. Mm -hmm. He's been pretty good this year too. He's been yeah, uh, he's been dealing it pretty well. But uh, 
yeah, if you Darvish can really turn it around, then I think that the pod, the Padres could be in a very good position to, to place well. Looking around the rest of baseball, I mean, first place in the AL Central, you got the Chicago White Sox. No big surprise there. Um, they, they're young, but that, that division's gotten worse over the years, but they're also a very good team. They got the reigning MVP in Jose Abreu, who's uh, fourth in, in RBIs, and they got some really good talent, and Lance Lynn, you know, pitching for that team doesn't hurt either. You got the Houston, Houston Astros, which I've, I know it's a team that, that you have a strong hatred for. I didn't watch the all-star game or the home run derby as, as you know, that's not my thing. Uh, took a couple nights off, but what do you make of Correa and Altuve not going to the all-star game? Not because, Oh, you know, I want to, you know, I just want to skip it, you know, which I have no problem with. I love players saying they're not going, but they don't, they're not going because they don't want to get booed. What, what do you make of that excuse? You know, I'm not really a fan of it. Uh, I wasn't really too tuned in to, you know, All-Star Week or anything like that. I watched a little bit last night just because I had really nothing else to throw on. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It's, it's like a different – it's different because, I don't know, the league gave them, a, you know, free pass. You know, it was okay. Sorry. It happened. It's over with. It's done. I don't know. It just seems like it's uh, like it's, people are still affected by it. People are still pissed off about it. I mean, if you listen, to, if I'm sure if you ask CC Sabathia what he thinks, mm-hmm. you know, he'll let you know. <laughs> or the Dodgers. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, it's just I don't know. It's just kind of childish. I find like you know, you get paid all the money in the world, you can't go listen to someone boo you for a couple of hours, but. And, and to your point, like you, you didn't get any punishment. None of the players lost a game check. You didn't get any month. You didn't lose any, uh, you didn't get suspended. Like, okay, you're going to get booed. Like, like grow up, like stop playing the victim here. Like you're, you're guilty. Like, don't, don't be freaking OJ. Like, come on, you know, like, no. this is how I would have done it kind of thing. Like I, I just think it's so childish that, you know, Dusty Baker, I get it. It's a tough spot for him because he was not the manager when all this went down, but he's even the whole year he's been like, I don't get why people are acting like this. Well, you don't know why they're acting. like, were you around baseball? Like, did you watch a game during that time? Like I, if they should have just said they had a nagging injury and that would have been fine, but to say, cause they didn't want to get booed. I, I think that shows weakness from them and also from, from major league baseball for not, punishing them for 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 sitting out for that reason yeah no i 100 percent agree with you like it's just you see the the kind of uh classlessness i guess just so to speak where like you can't handle getting booed for you know a couple of hours i mean if if i was in the big leagues like i i'd be you know trying to beam either one of them or Mm -hmm. bregman you know i'd be aiming for the ribs or you know that but that's just me i'm passionate yankees fan that you know all hopes and dreams are crushed through that alcs so and it's so frustrating too because you know they cheat they didn't use steroids but you look back to the steroids era every player that was using steroids was already an all-star mark mcguire sammy sosa um obviously barry bonds these guys were hitting 40 home runs a year why did you have to juice? You're already really good players. You see this year, Correa and Altuve are all-stars. Uh, you know, Yardon Alvarez was an all-star. Like, why are you cheating? You don't need to. You're still, your first place over an Oakland team. That's also really good. Like, you, if you look at these divisions, other than the National League West, where you have Dodgers, Padres, I think Oakland's the best team that's not winning a division right now. And you're bleeding them by three and a half. So, Clearly, Houston's really good. You don't need that help. Yeah, <clears throat> no, that's a that's a good point. Um, like, Houston's just I don't know. They seem to be a, a, like above and beyond, even uh, without cheating in that division, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, it is interesting though to see uh, Oakland. They have been, uh, you know, pretty pretty impressive this season. Uh, I think. Um, uh, Chris Bassett's uh, been really good on the mound yeah. and uh, uh, 
what's his name? Uh, Olsen there. Matt he Olsen, was a, yeah, first yeah, baseman. He, he was pretty good last night too in the, in the All-Star game. He wasn't too bad. He made a good showing, but uh, it'll you know, be interesting. They're, they're kind of like the Rays. You yeah. know, they got Chapman, who's a gold glove third baseman, but looking up at Loriano and, you know, they got Elvis Andrews now from Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they just plug and play, and, and they're bottom five in salary every year, but they find a way to be competitive. Yeah, no, it, and more credit to them. You know, that's one way you got to get it done. So it'll be interesting to see uh, this division, how this comes down. But uh, back to Altuve and all them uh, cheating. I just – they're good enough now without it. They're good enough before without it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know, why I have to do it. It is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, I Hopefully what it does do is that it keeps him out of Cooperstown. Yeah. Um, Cause he, he was going, you know, he's on that trajectory. He's won an MVP. He's a world series champion, but hopefully like Barry Bonds, hopefully like Roger Clemens, he never gets there. Barry Bonds got one year left. I'll say this till, till it's done. I hope he doesn't get in because I don't like drug cheats in my hall of fame. Some people say the hall of fiends all overhyped. Well, I know both of us sports mean something to us. It was a huge part of our childhood. It remains a huge part of our lives. I don't want to see people that cheated be someplace where people work their ass off to get there. And people like Altuve, people like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they shouldn't be there because they didn't do it the honorable way. And, you know, guys like Kershaw in the game right now who worked as had to overcome a lot of hardships to ultimately win a World Series, I think probably feels the same way. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. You don't want uh, you don't want posers standing in in this line of glory where you have kids looking up to them and um, you know there's things that went on behind the scenes where this is what they did to get better and um, everybody else doesn't get that same advantage. So um, it, I have a question though, leading off of that because okay. uh, so. <clears throat> I hate the Astros. Not not gonna tiptoe around the subject. I hate them. Don't care what happens to them. Yeah. But so Altuve and Bregman and all these guys that are on trajectory to go to the hall. Since they're the ones that cheated, you know, the offensive guys with the you know the buzzer and the electric shocks and whatnot. What do you think about like the pitchers? Say like Verlander and Granky and all these guys. Like, what do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. It's hard to say because we don't know if they got an advantage. You know, it they had to pitch. You know, the, the batters know, okay, curveball is coming. Okay, I'll choke up. You know, I'll hit, I'll bat it to left. You know, I'll go oppo field here. For the pitchers, they still got to strike out Aaron Judge. They still got to strike out, you know, uh, Giancarlo Stanton and, and the rest of the party. So, I think it's really tough because Verlander obviously gets traded there that year. He's Hall of Famer before, even though he's never won a ring, would have been one of the best players to not win a World Series in the history of the game. But I still think he gets in case uh, because there's no proof that it benefited him. It wasn't like he was batting. He, He had to face the same batters. He had to face the batters on the other side. And yes, the batting of his team helped him win but I remember he pitched I think it was game one against the Yankees he went the full nine innings went to extras but he was lights out in that playoffs and he he did everything he could do to win yeah how about you that's that's why I asked because um like thinking back watching those games and Freddie with you Mm -hmm. every night that uh that the Yanks and the Astros faced off it seemed like it was a it was a duel so um, they had some good pitchers in their rotation, and that's why I asked because, um, you know, we can make up whatever we want about the, the batters, but um, I think it, for any team to win a World Series, I think it really comes down to their pitching staff and, you know, what, what they can do. So that's that's the only reason I had that question. I just wanted your take on it. Yeah, but, uh, would you put Verlander in the hall? Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. I, I think you have to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like I like the question, but what would concern me because I don't think everybody thinks like us. I think they'll want to put Altuve in there. Some some of the baseball writers maybe they won't because we see steroid guys not get in. But I say the Astros this year go on to win another World Series, and Altuve 
wins World Series MVP or something. <sighs> he gets closer and closer to getting, you know, on the ballot and getting votes. That that concerns me because this team could win one this year. You know, they're every year they're in there and they're one of the best playoff teams out there. So that that would worry me just as a person, like, oh no, Altuve, Bregman, they're getting closer to getting to that Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, it's definitely something that's kind of crossed my mind. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's just, it'll be interesting when it comes down to it uh, into the playoffs. I'm, I'm nervous uh, for my Yanks. I, I wanted them to get in there. So I'm, I hope that they can kind of take out some of their vengeance on the, the past Astros. Yeah. And yeah, it's th- thinking about those, you know, those pesky Astros, but yeah, they're, they're a good team uh, for sure. And they're, they, they like to make it interesting, but looking, I was thinking this division with, with the national league East, the Mets are in first place, terrible injury on Saturday where we saw Ronald Acuna jr. Go down and tears his right ACL out for the season. The team was struggling because they have Mike Soroka, the big Canadian who retours Achilles. He's had his, Second Achilles injury in two years. His career very well could be over before it really even started. Um, they're four and a half back. Phillies are four back. Um, do you see the Mets cruising to this division, or can these teams make it interesting uh, down the stretch here? Well, uh, with the way that the, with the NL is trending, I think that uh, the Mets kind of seem to have a little bit of a stranglehold. Um, on the on first, I think just um, leading up to the deadline, I think that uh, they they might be a team that are gonna that are gonna uh, be some buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, one team, one uh, player, I think that's that might be getting shipped this this way um, might be uh, Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know he could be getting the ship from uh, the Cubs. Yeah, um, if he if he lines up there, it it uh, that'd be a huge add to them, and uh, it would only cement what I think could be a, a good good playoff run for the Mets. But uh, I'm I'm not going to rule out um, the Braves, the Phillies. I'm not going to rule out the Nationals either. Yeah, um, that lineup that they have there is pretty pretty phenomenal. Still, um, one of the things I'm not really a fan about still is how. Uh, Strasburg's still not out and uh, on the mound and stuff, but I I just find he's so electric to watch. I just he's a, he's a one of those arms that I'll turn the TV on to watch. So yeah, in the, in the postseason he was so dynamite. I know what you mean. He just always looks intense, and he he's kind of like Scherzer because Scherzer yeah. when he's out, Scherzer looks like he wants to throw the ball through the catcher's hand every time he's got it. Uh, he you can tell he cares so much, and yeah, I don't rule out the. It's gonna be tough for the Braves without Acuna. He yeah. I mean, not not only is he their best player, but he bats leadoff. It's tough to find a good leadoff hitter, and he's constantly on base. And that's something you know that Marcus Simeon for the Blue Jays has done this year so well. And you know they want to try to get uh, Springer back in that spot, but you're like, well, Simeon's an All Star. Springer, you've been hurt, and you know we can't put you back there. So they need to find a replacement for him. Maybe Ozzy Albies can do that. He was an all-star this year for the first time. But the Phillies with their pitching staff, I, I like the Nats too. And, and the Mets, they're, they're a team that's recently constructed this way. They don't have any postseason success. They've never been in a race, really. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them get a little bit uh, flaky and get you know move a little down the stretch here if, if they struggle a bit. Yeah, well... I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see if uh, you know the pitchers can keep up. And uh, I don't know. I just have a little bit of faith in this uh, in this Mets team making it out of this division. Um, I don't know. I just have a feeling about it this year. The way that Degrom's playing and uh, uh, Stroman, he's been not bad for the yeah. Uh, Mets. Taiwan Walker's been a good add too. Yeah, Walker's been pretty pretty good as well. Um, yeah, but uh, I also, you know, you can't rule really rule out the Phillies because uh, their pitching staff has been pretty pretty awesome as well with uh, Wheeler and Nola. So uh, I don't know. It, it's going to come down to it. If uh, depends on how 
how uh, the arms go, I guess. Yeah, and if you could pick one team that's outside the playoffs right now that will get into a playoff position outside of your bias to the Yankees, who would it be? Either, either, either uh, NL, AL or NL. AL or NL. I'm going to have to say, well, if the Cubs don't, if the Cubs don't sell, I think that they could, uh, they could find a way to come out of their division mm -hmm. with, uh, with Milwaukee. They're, they're an interesting spot because Javi Baez is a UFA at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And it'd be tough to lose him for nothing. Uh, he, he's one of the best shortstops in baseball, but does he return there? You know, and uh, Bryant's got one year left on his deal. I think Rizzo has a year and an option, so he could come back. But they'll have to make a decision quick because the deadline is at the end of July, mm -hmm. and they could be getting some a serious haul if they want to trade. You know, one, two, all three of those guys because. I think especially Baez, but Bryant and Rizzo both add different things and they, they've had playoff success. They've been there, done that. So there'll be coveted pieces uh, on, on the trade market. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, yeah, no, if, if, uh, if I were to pick one team, if they don't uh, sell by the end of the month, then I think the Cubs might uh, be able to kick it into high gear and turn it around. Yeah. I went with the Phillies. I don't know why, um, but I just, I they have something about them I like. Uh, Real Mutos had, had a strong season. Harper is not so much about Bryce Harper this year. He's more just a team guy. Uh, they got your your got your guy Didi Gregorius down there playing short. Um, decent pitching, and again the Mets. I I need to see them prove it a little bit. And the biggest thing for these teams to get if you're only four back, you need to win your head-to-head matchups and your series. Your divisional games, divisional series are so important. And you need to get those wins. And the Phillies, I think, can can make life difficult for for the likes of the Mets. And maybe the Mets can run into some trouble playing the Nats and uh, Braves down the stretch. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a good pick with the Phillies. If I were to change my answer on the spot, I would probably say that the, the NL East is going to be the division where the, the Nationals are going to come back and they're going to they're going to show the boys down the stretch how it's done because they've been there and they've done that. Is so, that a prediction? Yeah. If I could change, if I could change my answer, that's what I would say. Okay. So prediction nationals are winning the national league East. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I bet the house on it. Bet the house on it. <laughs> well, you're hot with your halves still the final. So, yeah. hey. you know, Hey, you take that, take that yeah. data, everybody, you know, um, the world said, Nate, not happening. Everybody said Leafs in five, Leafs in four, Leafs in six, Leafs in two and a half. Hey, we went to the finals. See you there. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Um, for league baseball, who's uh who's your favorite player to watch right now in the game? I'm I'm on the I'm on the uh, pitchers. I just doesn't matter who. Uh, any big name really is. I like. That's what. Uh, I don't know. I've been a big fan of it lately, about the last year or so. Been really big into watching uh, pitchers and getting to kind of um, in depth, uh, kind of you know what what goes into being a pitcher and all this stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. To say one probably off the top of my head, uh, you know, goes against me. But uh, I like uh, Granky because he's such mm -hmm. a weird a weirdo. You know, yeah. just. <laughs> It's so funny to watch him pitch, and uh, it's just something something different from the uh, conventional conventional pitcher. So, yeah, no, he is weird. His his wind up and his demeanor on the mound. Uh, he, he's definitely an odd duck. Um, he even tells you what what's coming. Yeah, yeah I, change up high outside. You know. Like, yeah, I saw a video last night. It was funny. Liam Hendricks, reliever for uh for Chicago now. He missed a pitch and he goes like, God damn it. In the all-star game. Like, I wish they had that mic on all the time. I want to hear that. You know, that's, that's good stuff. Um, I'm a, you like pitchers. I love shortstops. Um, yeah. And for, if I had to rate my bet, like Tim Anderson's a lot of fun to watch for the white Sox. He's acrobatic. He can make every play you want, but I got to represent my guy. I think he's one of the most, electrifying athletes in the world of sports right now. And that is 
Fernando Tatis Jr. the third. Uh, he's could he improve his defensive play? Absolutely. Uh, but some of the plays he's made in the past couple weeks, like just darting guys out at the plate, throwing a gun, uh, making that catch he made in midair to end the inning. Yeah. And of course, he can also hit the ball 450 feet. So he, he, I love, so there's a Padres game. If Sportsnet will ever put a game on that's not just the Blue Jays, I'm like, okay, I'm either watching it or I'm PVRing it because I want to see this guy and what he's going to come up with tonight. Yeah. Would you say, <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree with you on Tatis. He's, uh, he's absolutely unreal to watch. And uh, we've talked about it before about how we, we love the, uh, Trevor Bauer and the Tatis mm. beef uh, when yeah. they had it going. Yeah. But uh, with that being said, would you say that uh, Fernando is your runaway NL MVP? Yeah, I would say yeah. so. I, I think he, Schwarber was in the mix for a little bit, but he got in. He had like 16 homers and 18 game stretch, which was unbelievable. But yeah, I don't see that, you know, that many close people to Tatis right now. You know, it's all in the AL. You know, Vladdy, you got Otani, like I said, Devers. Mm -hmm. But I think Tatis, and then, especially with Acuna hurt, um, I'm sure a guy will emerge and have a great second half, and you'll say, well, maybe this guy can make a push. But if I had to pick a guy right now, yeah, I have Otani by a, by a, uh, sorry, I have Tatis by a sizable margin. Yeah. Otani as well in the American League. Yeah, I got Otani in the American League. I I flip flopped on it twice with the AL, but uh, I don't know. I have uh, Tatis in there as well, but um, one guy I kind of been watching a um, little bit more game tape of, uh, especially the last uh, you know twenty four hours because you told me we were coming on was uh, Castellanos mm-hmm. of the Reds. Somebody, yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not bad. He's been, oh, I love him too. Cause he's, he's been hitting the ball hard and he'll mix it up. He, yeah. uh, yeah, he's, he's an, I, I love watching him play. He's a converted third baseman to right field. That's not easy to do. Uh, and you no, know, he's got good power. He's Cincinnati's second in the, in that division, mm-hmm. like not the Cubs, not the Cardinals. So no, I, I like, I like Castellanos as a, as a underdog pick as well. He, he's, he's a really good player. Yeah, no, that would be that would be my sleeper pick if uh, something traumatic were to happen to Tatis. I think uh, I think he would be a good good second uh, second dog in the race. So, pivoting from baseball, it'll resume tomorrow night. Yankees, Red Sox to start the second half of the season. We'll hope for better fortune for your Yankees. Amen. Tomorrow also starts the last golf major of the season, the Open Championship. Some people like to call it the British open as us over here, like to call it and the other side of the pond. Um, last major, it's always weird. Cause it's over in Europe. The weather can be very different. We've seen 13 guys already withdraw from, from this event. Some due to COVID, some due to visa issues, injuries, what have you. Um, do you have any sort of feel towards a player or, uh, the event heading into tomorrow? Well, my, uh, my pick for t- for this weekend was uh, leading up to this weekend until he found out that he wasn't going to be playing was uh, Hideki. I was kind of had that feeling that he was going to play well, very well after the Masters. Um, just that kind of feeling. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the just the major the major champion previous major champions seem to you know find that extra gear and be able to to dig down deep and find themselves. But um, with him being out. Uh, it's tough to uh, kind of pick one one uh, front runner, but uh, it's kind of hard to go wrong with uh, with DJ or uh, Rory. I'd like to see that come down in the final major of the year. It'd be not a bad last pairing. Yeah, um, yeah, both could use it because they've struggled uh, this year mightily. Uh, Rory just missing the cut last week at the Scottish Open. DJ missing the cut the first two majors this season, so they both could use a confidence boost. Um, I see John Rahm's coming off winning the U.S. Open, but I, I don't see him winning back-to-back majors. That's so rare and it's so hard to do. And he mm-hmm. hasn't – he's played one tournament since then. So he did play well last week, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of Kepka, and he's had a really strong year. You know, he's played well at all. You know, he missed the cut at the Masters, but he had knee surgery like two weeks before. So I'm going to give him a pass there. 
The other two majors, he finishes in the top five. And I just think the way he's played this year at the majors, it would be unjust if he doesn't come away with a major title this year. And he's never won the British Open. So I kind of I kind of think Kepka has some momentum heading into the last major of the year here. Yeah, it's tough to say because like uh like we've talked about you know person like just face to face before mm-hmm. how Kepka's the uh the guy that shows up in the majors, he doesn't really care about these other tournaments. So it's definitely a possibility that Kepka come in, uh place two good rounds, get in there low, and then get uh uh have some uh, room to carry in the weekend, but um, it's tough to say this. I know that these, uh, these European golf courses are a lot tougher. They just roll it. Everything rolls right out. So it'll be tough. And uh, thinking of, thinking of, um, you know, just being able to manage the course, I think uh, Will Zalatoris might be uh, someone that's, you know, might be able to manage this course all right. So I'm interested to see how he'll do. He's in the he's in the group tomorrow with DJ and uh, uh, Justin Rose, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the last name, but um, yeah, I'm interested to see how that's going to go. Um, have you ever played an event where you had a caddy? No, can't think. Can't no, think. No, because I was going to ask you about Deshambo. Obviously parting ways with his caddy just the night before the rocket mortgage. And he's had an up and down year. Looked like he was going to win the U S open and have one of the worst back nines in golf history where, you know, even my old man was watching golf thinking like, what the hell is going on here? And on, on father's day. And now he's got a new caddy. He's in the spotlight with Kepka. It would be it would be a story if he found a way to win this British Open. Like you said, the courses are so tough, and they're not exactly meant for a guy who drives the ball a significant ways. But you know, it's not like his his other parts of his game are, are terrible. Like he, he he can work on his approach shot, but his putting looks awkward. But it is effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it uh, he's definitely someone that you can't really. Uh pass on because just of his skill alone he seems to be able to get it done even if he's he bombs it uh you know 340 350 but uh he, he he's proved that he's able to hack it out of any rough or any bunker get it in close and you know his putting is it's ugly but it yeah. gets the job done i won't even i won't comment more on that but I, uh i you know he just looks so like he looks like a robot it's just it doesn't look comfortable it doesn't look pretty so uh yeah no i'm not a, not a huge uh bracing guy but uh it'll be interesting to see if he'll uh farewell this weekend i hope he doesn't personally but <laughs> so okay if you're 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 a betting analyst you're you're a better okay if, yeah if you had to bet that he finishes in the top five or misses the cut what would, what would the bet that you would take see uh yeah, this is a tough one because, you know, the real me would probably throw action on both sides, yeah. but uh, <laughs> just, uh, you know, I don't know, but uh, it's tough. He's won in the majors before he's won, a, he's won a U.S. Open. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible for him to be able to, to uh, translate that game from, from U.S. Open uh, difficulty to Scottish Open or the Open, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to make that transition. So um, definitely not someone to rule out, but I may, I would maybe lean towards. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to say miss a cut because it's uh, you know could be very high days for for everybody in the field. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to say uh, I'd lean probably more towards the top five. But yeah, yeah. Begrudgingly, you say he's gonna probably make the top five more than miss the cut. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd have him. I'd have them probably more making the top five, but I'd be praying for lots of bogeys and doubles on the back. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, like you could have the lead and then slip it away, you know, like top five that way. That'd be right. perfect. Yeah. This, this major has no feel to it because, you know, they played at the Scottish open last week. There's been nobody playing in the John Deere, the rocket mortgage. So there's a lot of people dropping out. Maybe, you know, people have had, you mentioned a couple of guys who have had tough years, you know, your guy, Justin Thomas hasn't exactly been spectacular this year. 
he's flying under the radar. I could very well see him making some noise this week. Yeah, he uh, he's he's not been very pretty this year as well. Uh, more of a disappointing disappointing season for him, I would say. Um, he seems to be uh, hitting the ball well. Like I've seen uh, numerous clips of him this week over in uh, at the Open, hitting hitting the ball pretty well. So it, it it's going to be interesting to see. He's definitely someone that I have uh, rooting for in the back, but. Uh, mm -hmm. If he also doesn't play well, it's you know, water under the bridge because uh, he hasn't been playing very well all season except for his his lone win. So, yeah, no, um, I think somebody outside of the top ten in the world will win this major. I'll say that today. I don't really, I don't know, like I don't think Luio stays in. Will do it even though he's played well at all three majors this year. I just think it'll be somebody that comes out of left field and they win maybe their first major ever, kind of like Hideki at the Masters. Nobody saw him winning. I think we'll see another guy like that uh, win this week. And, uh, yeah, I don't really have a great feel of who it is, but maybe it's like a Jason Cockrack. You know, he plays well at all these minor events. He's a guy that maybe could make a push at a major. Um, but, yeah, I just think it'll be somebody out of left field, not one of the household names that takes home the final major of the season. Um, what do you think about, uh, Fleetwood? Do you think he has any opportunity this weekend? I do. Yeah. Another guy that he doesn't, you know, he just plays, basically plays a European tour. You never see him mm -hmm. in either event, but he's, he's a good major player. He's, he's, uh, he's going to be a home favorite being, um, being over there. So mm -hmm. I think that helps him. Um, and also it helps him that, you know, Rory's there, even though it's the tournament's not in Ireland. I think Rory, he knows the pressure he has to win. He's obviously he's won there before, but he hasn't won a major in a while. And to play at home, and if he if he has a tough start to the day, it's going to be a long one for him because he's going to hear about it. We saw a guy try to steal his golf club last week. I don't know how security let that happen, but he, he's going to have a lot of pressure this week to perform and, and look well doing it. Yeah, that uh, last week when the uh, buddy tried to steal his driver and then he ended up taking a wedge, you know, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Like that was, if there was a moment uh, like where you should not be sleeping on the job or you mm -hmm. know you should be, be paying attention is when you know guys are on the tee box or they're in the on the green. You know, it's like to me that's almost like you know common sense. But uh, yeah, as he we know, was there for a while before security went and got him. Yeah, you know, took a couple of swings, you know, get get a feel for the club. I didn't know if he was going to put a ball down or, you know. But, uh, you know, as we know, common sense ain't very common nowadays. So, no, nope. no. Nope. Um, it, it was very funny. And, uh, yeah, I think um, Fleetwood's a guy that you can't, uh, you can't uh, step over because he's, uh, he's got some game. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's still got to prove himself. So, mm -hmm. what better weekend than, uh, and tournament on your home soil, so to speak. So, yeah, no, um, open championship starts tomorrow. That should be a uh, fun last major of the year. And then you got the race to the FedEx Cup playoffs, which I like what they've done more with the FedEx Cup than prior to where you just finished it. You were basically, you won all the money. Um, at least it's a tournament down the stretch and guys can make up some strokes uh, as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, Hockey just finished. We got the expansion draft next week, the NHL draft a week from Friday, where Owen Power looks like he's going to be going first overall to Buffalo. But we did get some news this week, uh, Case, and I'll we talk, touch on it quickly. Um, I know back in the day, you were a big Oilers fan. Uh, I know you kind of drifted away from that a little bit. You, you still like your Oilers, but I know you like your Canucks as well. But your Oilers traded for Duncan Keith. Uh, parting with a third round pick and Caleb Jones in the process. What'd you make of Ken Holland going out there and getting uh, the three time Stanley cup champion to uh, add to his roster? I wasn't uh, really, I wasn't too surprised. I kind of heard, uh, I think I seen something on uh, Twitter or maybe it was uh, TSN uh, about uh, Keith wanting to kind of move or part ways and kind of move closer to family, um, that kind of situation. And uh, with this contract and everything, he kind of had, he had the lay of the land and can kind of, you know, lay out what he wanted. Um, Edmonton, great spot for him. Um, fit him in there somewhere on the second, second pairing. Mm -hmm. uh, 
give them uh, uh, Larson or something, you know, kind of get them uh, rolling, give a couple of uh, stretch passes up to McDavid. By the time they're already on the bench, they got secondary and for primary assists. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Um, I was One thing I was surprised was uh, uh, Edmonton taking all the uh, – Salary. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised with that, but uh, I think uh, with what everybody kind of wants to accomplish, I think it's probably best for for Chicago if they're looking to try and make some moves this year, especially with uh, Caleb Jones going there. I think that's. Uh, I think they're they're looking at trying to land Seth Jones this summer, uh, if if that's not uh, if we're not leaking anything crazy or whatever. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the the ideals for them, but. Um, well, I think it's a good trade. I think it's going to pay off well for, for Edmonton, hopefully, but, uh, tough, tough to see a guy like that leave Chicago. Yeah. People have been hating on the deal and I, I, I like, let them play a game first is what I like, like to say. Um, they, you know, yes, you hate the Taylor Hall trade for Adam Larson. This is completely different. Tucky Keith, like you said, is going to be in the second pair, maybe the third pair. Um, where you have at least four guys in front of them where if they can keep Barry, you got Nurse, you got Clefbaum, Larson, they hope to resign. And you you have guys that are going to be above him all the time. And he's just going to be a good leader. He's not going to be the Duncan Keith winning the con the cons might, but that's not what he's asked to be. Teams make mistakes when you trade for veterans, you ask him to be what he used to be. They're not looking for him to do that. He's just a bit piece on a team that they hope can contend or at least win a playoff round uh, in the not too distant future. So I like the deal. It's smart by Chicago as well, because you get Caleb Jones, it helps you with your pursuit of Seth. Um, And even if you don't really love Caleb Jones, well, I love Seth Jones. So that helps me get closer to getting him (laughs) on my roster. I will take Caleb and swallow that and say, Seth, your brother's here. It's great. Come, come play for the original six franchise and let's try to rebuild what we once had. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely not a bad uh, bargaining chip to have his uh, brother already suiting up there. So, um, yeah, I think if, uh, if you sent uh, Seth Jones up to Chicago, he's already worn that Portland Winterhawks jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, he's worn those colors before. Might as well take it to the next level. Go from the dub to the NHL. That's you know, big step, but it's still, still uh, something that I don't think is too big of a step for uh, Seth Jones, considering his game so, so well. But uh, yeah, I think the free agent market is going to be something uh, coming up here for the NHL, and especially with the expansion draft leading up. Yeah, um, a guy who would hit the free agent market is Brandon Carlo. But he got re-signed today to a six-year deal with the Boston Bruins for $4.1 million a year, which is over $24 million to contract. Uh, what did you make the de- what did you make of the deal for the for the Bruins and for Carlo? I think it's a good signing for the Bruins. Um, he seems to be one of the pieces uh, that didn't fare very like, He had a tough year. Yeah, he had, he had a tough year, but I think they're looking to put it past him. Um, I don't know. I think if he can get a better year under him, then uh, I don't know. He'll he'll have a little bit more success, gain that confidence. But uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm kind of surprised that he uh, he ended up with a ticket like that. Yeah, I think it's a good signing on the surface for the Bruins. They continue to do that. Uh, you look at Pasternak. You look at Bergeron, McAvoy. I mean, I could go on. Uh, this whole their stars get underpaid and they accept that and they, they got a winning culture. The only thing I see as a concern, and I love the player. I, I, I love his game. I like he's got brute strength and all that, but he's got some concussion problems and yeah. injuries. And today, Kevin Miller retired at 33, primarily because of concussions. And I worry about Carlo long term. You got him for six years. And I obviously we hope that he doesn't get injured or nothing bad happens. What if something down the road happens and he can't play? And then you have another three, four years that you got to deal with with that guy on long-term IR or worse, just sitting there rotting. So I love the player. And this is just worst case scenario. 
But looking at both sides, I love it right now. But a few hits I, away, I could really hate this deal for the Boston Bruins as well. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good good point of view. Um, that's, you know, you never ever want to see guys get injured or, you know, no. it's it's one of the, you know, I hate watching it. I hate, like, they start to show instant replays and stuff. I'm the, one of the guys that look away. But, uh, you know, you really hope to see see these guys that sign uh, good deals. You want to see them uh, pan out and you want to see things work. But that's... Uh, that's sometimes not always the case, but uh, it's interest interesting signing, and I think if it does work out for them, then I think it's a it's a good piece. But uh, that's up to up to uh, Carlo himself to decide. So, yeah, and we'll close today's pod with the Minnesota Wild. Um, it was yes, no sir. surprise that they were going to buy out Zach Parisi. He's been wearing down physically, and just his play has dropped over the last number of years. And just for reference, he signed a thirteen year deal. 2011, 2012-2013 with the Minnesota Wild for a boatload of money. And the same day, Ryan Suter signed the same 13-year deal, and they are signed through 2024-2025. And yesterday, they bought out Prize and also Ryan Suter. And it surprised me, Case, that they did both of them. I think Suter is still a pretty good defenseman in the NHL, not what he's getting paid, but still a very good defenseman. But, you know, it, it surprised me, but it also told me that Minnesota, after a positive year this year, losing in seven to Vegas, believes that they are closer to championship contention than maybe the hockey world thinks right now. Yeah, no, I, I was uh, surprised to see the Sutter buyout, to, to be to be 100% honest. Um, I still thought his game was uh, up there, for especially for uh, Minnesota Wild. But uh, the the Parise uh, buyout wasn't really surprising. He's uh, been a been a bottom bottom feeder there for a little while now. But uh, I think this is this this is the shift that uh, that the Minnesota Wild need. Bill Garen gets a little bit of room, kind of has some some uh, opportunities to to progress themselves into the. Uh, one of the contenders to to go up with Vegas, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I think uh, this could be this could be a very big off season for the uh, Minnesota Wild. Yeah, they're gonna need to pay off the next couple of years because how this works is they get ten million dollars of free cap room this year and next year. So mm-hmm. they get cap relief from these two contracts, but after these next two seasons, you do have to pay the piper eventually, and yeah. then. Two years from now, they have a $13 million dead cap hit, which is basically you have your salary cap. If it stays at $80 million, they will have they'll have $67 million to spend, where $13 million is off their off the books and you can't do anything about it. And then mm-hmm. the following season, it's $15 million in dead cap money. So that means you have $65 million in our current financial uh, place right now. So it, it's gonna hurt them, but they do have they they need to bring Caprisov back. See if they can add a few. They've already signed Yul Erickson Act to an extension. See what they can do to add to this already pretty uh, talented roster after a surprisingly good season. Yeah, I no, I hundred percent agree. I think that these guys could be a team to, to mess with here in the in the not too distant future. What? Um, how many years left does uh, Kaprizov have on contract? Just one, or he, he's he needs he's an RFA right now. He's got to sign, eh? Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, so, you, you think any rumors he might go back to Russia? Yeah, I've seen possibilities of this. Yeah, so that that would be terrible for the league and for Minnesota, obviously, and I don't want to see that happen. So, what what were the uh, rumors like? Why why is he thinking about leaving? Um, I think just home and you know potentially getting more money in Russia. Mrs. O- Mrs. Soviet Russia. Yeah, you know, go play with. Shipashev and Datsuk and Kovalchuk, all the guys who kind of see from... Datsuk's uh, contemplating retiring. Yeah, He's, uh, thinking about hanging him up. Doesn't know if the body can withstand <laughs> any more the the magic man's moves. Yeah, well, if he, if he does, hell of a career, and he'll be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, five, five years from now. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, hell of a career on him. But um, fun stuff today, Case. Always fun when we get together and do this. But um, 
any any big plans uh for this for this weekend and for the rest of uh rest of july well no not too many plans uh for the rest of the july just kind of play it by ear whatever uh me and he'll kind of live week by week and uh take it take it as it uh, as it goes but um lots of golf lots of golf in the forecast uh yeah lots of golf looking to looking to go low uh trying to get out with Seamus we're we're trying to work on that my uh we have a we have a dedicated cameraman that said he would video Seamus's every move on the golf course um uh, my brother Blaine yeah he, uh, he volunteered his tribute I told him that he'd probably be in the sticks and the weeds for hours trying to find Seamus's ball because we're gonna make him go in there with none in his pockets so right right it'll be tough but you know we're looking to get him to break on 100 legit so we're we're on that uh on that grind so we're trying to get out with Seamus and trying to get down to Rexton and hang out with uh yours truly yeah well if um if that if that gets done I will definitely be, be going uh and i'll i'll help blaine with production or <laughs> chirp or just be a nuisance uh maybe i'll maybe i'll take to i'll caddy one guy each hole um so i'd love to i'd love to do that uh sometime this summer as well because i think that would be a riot maybe brain blaine could splice up some of it and we could post it on the uh to the point um to the point social medias 100 percent. no that's uh that's something that would be uh you know, that'd be the ultimate content, uh, so to yeah. speak, for the uh, To The Point podcast. Two of the uh, recurring guests going at it uh, on the sticks with uh, with the uh, boss man at the uh, on the bag. So that'd be that'd be just uh, next level, even if it was at uh, Chapel Point. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere, you know, we'll go to we'll go to Europe if we got to get this going. <laughs> we'll, we'll play somewhere. Um, but no case. Thanks a lot for joining me today, man. And I'm sure we'll do this again real soon. Yep. No, it sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me on as always. Uh, go Yankees. Yeah. Well, we'll see how the Yankees do. They start up again tomorrow night against the Red Sox. Everybody. Uh, I know Casey won't be watching, but if you're, if you're enjoying the NBA finals game four tonight, 10 o'clock uh, Suns bucks uh, live from Milwaukee, but we'll be back soon to talk lots more as sports gets back into the swing of things. Um, enjoy the weather while it's here. Take care. And uh, we'll talk soon.